Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, it's one of those fun episodes where I have no idea what we're talking about. So why don't you kick us off with today's question? Well, so I have a question, but I've asked my friend Camille Gardner, our friend Camille Gardner to stay with us one more time, because I want to kick off, how do you get students with disabilities, their driver's license. And Camille has been the mom who texted me a picture and said, look, we got one, we got one. And um, I think her story and her journey is just one that we all could learn from. And yet I think it's also one that's really hard as a mother of a kid with a disability to say, are you kidding? This kid is trashing his room and can't brush his teeth and we're gonna put him behind a car. So Camille, thanks for joining us again. Well, thank you for having me back. (laughs) So we would love for you just to share kind of a little bit of your story and I'll kick it off with, you know, Josh had a life coach and I wasn't going to let him drive. I literally wasn't. And my life coach said, look, if you let your child learn to drive, you have more power over him than anything on the planet. I'm like, what? And he said, yeah. He said, if you tell him that he can't have the car unless he cleans his room, he will clean his room. I'm like, oh, he said, and you want him to grow up? Guess what part of growing up is driving? I was like, he's not ready. And I think you and I had similar conversations. So I would love for you to talk about your journey that was even a little more unique than my own. (laughs) So, um, I think, you know, I have to say that, you know, the journey kind of start when Andrew was born, right? I always tell parents when I talk to new parents, you kind of have to think about what the end game is and kind of work backwards. And Andy and I decided when Andrew was born that we were going to treat him just like um, any other child and provide opportunities to him. And, and our goal from the very beginning has been for him to be independent. And um, so we've always, that's always been the goal. We've never said, okay, we think he could do anything, but we don't think he can do a list. I mean, we don't really have a list of anything that we say he can't do or he wouldn't, you know, be allowed to try. Um, so that was kind of the goal always. And then, um, so when he turned 15, um, he started taking the FLVS class, the driver's ed through Florida virtual school. And he took the class, um, and he passed the class. And when he finished the class, I remember the final exam was kind of just like a practice permit test. And I said, well, we shouldn't wait. <laughs> you pass that. We should, we should do the permit test right now, like tomorrow. <laughs> um, and so we did. And, and to be honest, Andrew at that point really did not have an interest in driving. Um, we got his permit. permit. Um, I think I even said kind of jokingly, but when we got in the car, I was like, so do you want to drive home? And he was like, no, (laughs) Um, I would say to him, we're going to go practice. I mean, I had to like really um, beg him to go practice. I would say, I'm going to set the timer. I would set the timer for 10 minutes on my phone and we'd go in the car and drive. um, And, and, um, and until he eventually became more interested and just backing up a little bit, because I kind of skipped a little piece of it. Um, with the Florida virtual school class came some driving classes um, with the Florida safety council. And Andrew had never been in a car. He had never been in a golf cart. The only thing he drove was a bicycle, um, which I do think is a prerequisite to driving a car. So I think if you want your son or daughter to drive a car, you definitely should start by riding a bicycle, which seems really simple, but I think it is 10% of the population of people with Down syndrome ever learn how to ride a bicycle. And I think only 20% of the population of people with autism ever learn how to ride a bicycle. So that, you know, if you think about it, you have to um, navigate the streets, you have to keep your head up and watch where you're going. So I highly recommend um, that families seriously pursue um, their sons and daughters learning how to ride, ride a bicycle. 
And Camille, that's that's a that's something I would have never thought about, and that's that's a great point. But I have a really specific question. So so we know Andrew has Down syndrome. <clears throat> um, did he did he have a problem uh, with the reading level of the driving test and the driving materials? Um, Andrew is a good he's a good reader. Um, we taught him how to read at a very young age uh, using flashcards, which is another thing I highly recommend to families. So he he did not have a problem um, with the reading level. Um, so we were fortunate fortunate in that. I, and um, in like so, I don't know. Can I, if you can delete this, <laughs> if you want. Um, he and you know he fam, well, I'm not going to even say that. Um, no, he did not have a problem with the reading level. <laughs> well, I, I'll say what I think you might want to say, and that is that that the test is online and there isn't anything illegal by reading that test aloud to a child. Um, I'm the one who did that. So uh, I'll take that one on the podcast because, again, that was an accommodation Josh got in life. It's accommodation he would have gotten at the at the site. So Josh was, you know, he has Tourette's and a learning disability, but his learning disability and reading is flashcards didn't work for him. Like it's, he, I'm sure Andrew and many, many kids cannot read him at that point in time in life. But, but I, that read aloud was an option. And with technology, the computer can read aloud to you. So again, those are kinds of things that, that we should be thinking about if that's what's needed to get the information. Now, if I read him aloud and he still didn't know the answer, that's different. Like I shouldn't answer the questions, right. but I certainly felt that was a reasonable accommodation. And I think the Florida virtual school class it was, that was really a benefit because it wasn't just sit down and read the book. It was, you took the class and we kind of sometimes did that together. Sometimes the computer read it. Sometimes he would read it. You took quizzes. They were like video. So there was a lot more, um, it was much more interactive than just here, go, go read and study the driver's ed book. So I, I do think it was longer maybe by doing the class, like, you know, it took long amount more time, but I think ultimately it helped him to be more successful because there was just, um, it was just a better way for him and just rather than just, Hey, go read this book and, and take this test. And then, so, you know, that brings up a great point. And I don't know, maybe one of you guys do, but even this idea of, you know, the, the, the importance of the actual reading of it really is more so, you know, a, a functional ability to read for a driver, you know, and, and being able to read those signs. And so I'm sure as a mom, I am sure you prepared materials to ensure for your son's safety that he, you know, could read and understand those key things that we all need to be safe. Right. Right. Yes. And, you know, so when we went down um, after he got his permit and I called to take these classics, I thought, well, maybe it's better for someone that has two breaks in the car to practice with him for the very first time rather than just him and I. Um, and so we went down to take our classes at the Florida Safety Council and I think it was the second class. And I said to the guy, um, so how is he doing? And I made sure he had the same instructor all three times. I thought that would be important for him. And he was like, well, he's doing okay. He said, but I don't think that he will ultimately be successful. Which of course is the mom. That's like, you know, a punch in the gut. <laughs> so I had, so then I, I had not, I had not driven with Andrew at that point yet. So I took him like the next day or whatever to an open parking lot and we drove and, um, he used his blinker to turn in the parking lot where there were no cars. And when I said brake, he put the brakes on. I was like, I don't know. I think he's doing fantastic. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't ready to drive, 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 but considering it was only his like third time ever driving a car, um, I thought he was doing great. But I think 
Um, the difference is when a typical student goes and takes the classes, um, after three classes, they're ready to go, right? They're ready probably to just get their driver's license and, and be independent. And for Andrew, it just, he was learning, but his um, learning curve was not steep. It was just more gradual and he just needed more time. And I think the instructor, based on the um, slow growth, just assumed, oh, he can't do it. Um, and so after we did our classes, um, we then practiced. Again, I would set the timer for 10 minutes. We'd go in the car and we'd practice. Um, and we just did that. He, he gradually wanted was more willing to practice. He would drive to church on Sunday mornings. Um, one time, finally, I, he was like, are you going to the grocery store today? And I said, no. And he said, well, what about if I drive? I said, we can go if you drive. And so like little things like that. And he was like, okay, let's go. Let's, you know, I'll drive. And so as he started to realize that driving meant some freedom. Um, and so he was like, well, I'll drive there, but you drive home. I said, oh, no, no. I said, if you drive there, you have to drive home. And so he would do that. And then even when he finally got his driver's license, I would say in the beginning, he really, again, still was not like, didn't really have a huge interest. But as he, as friends of his started to get their driver's license, he became more like realized that, wow, this is actually a really cool thing that I have my driver's license. Um, and now he drives himself to youth group on Wednesday nights. Um, he drives himself to basketball practice at the YMCA. He's driven to friends' houses. Um, for our anniversary last year, he drove my daughters to Publix because they went and bought stuff they wanted to make us dinner. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's great independence. Um, I think I look around sometimes at some other young adults that have Down syndrome and I think they're totally capable of driving. I think um, kind of goes back to what Lisa was saying with her son is that as parents, right, we have more influence over our kids that have unique abilities and we can just say, oh no, we're not going to let them do that, right? If you said to your typical kid, I'm not letting you get your driver's license, they'd be like, whatever, mom. <laughs> um, and I think, again, it goes back to providing those opportunities to let them try. I mean, and let them try. Maybe they won't be successful, but you don't know until you try. And if they can, then that's one more thing that they are able to do. And maybe it's they only can drive. I used to tell people, if Andrew only is able to drive in a one mile radius, that is still life changing. He can go to the grocery store. He can visit family. He can get to church. You know, to me, that would have been like I said, to me, that was still life-changing. Maybe he ne he has been on I-4 and he has been off on 408, but maybe he never like travels on that regularly. But that's still, there's, it's like I said, still life-changing and still um, well worth the, the time and effort <laughs> of, of teaching him. And I know many, many young adults are choosing not to even get their license because there's Ubers and all of those kinds of things. But again, I think for our families in more rural or more secluded settings, or if you didn't live near a community, you know, that's that. what I loved what you said is that gradual. Like, you know, again, you don't have to get your driver's license in three times uh, of driver's, driver's ed. We definitely took more time with our son and, you know, he got his first parking ticket. And we're like, yeah, park the car. I mean, his first speeding ticket, you know, it's gone. And so I think having the same expectation I love that from birth forward of whatever love, not limiting, but I think what you've done well to you there is listening to Andrew and saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not driving to the mall, but I'll drive you to the grocery store. Mom, I think is, is a great one. And again, uh, leading with, with saying, don't expect less. Let me assume that he can do anything he can. Go ahead, Becky, you want to wrap us up for today? Any last? Well, I do. I, I actually want to pose a question of my own. 
Um, because I'm coming at this from a, a slightly different angle than the both of you. Um, my nephew who has severe cerebral palsy, is not, he's not physically going to be able to drive um, traditionally. And I think that uh, because of his spasticity and other things, I, I think um, even in a modified vehicle, I think that's going to be tricky. However, you know, my hope is that there'll be an opportunity for him to be able to operate a self-driving car in the future. And I'm just wondering if you guys think, you know, will there be a special permit for that? Will there be an opportunity, do you think, um, for people who may have even greater obstacles um, to overcome, do you think there's going to be an opportunity? Just your thoughts, because none of us know. But I hope I hope a listener is married to um, to an advocate who can start thinking in advance as those kind of vehicles become available. I think um, I'm excited. You know, all the self driving cars. I think that's going to be a great opportunity. Um, and I don't know if that will be a special license or um, you know how that will work or not. Um, but it certainly is going to open up more opportunities um, for people to be able to be more independent in, with transportation, because transportation is a huge issue. I would say um, it's probably the uh, biggest reasons why more adults with unique abilities don't have employment is because they don't have a way to get there. So, you know, solving the, the transportation issue or, you know, helping with the transportation issue, um, that's, that's going to make a huge difference in the lives of a lot of people. Yeah, and I'll just add that, you know, uh, Becky and I have had the privilege of working with several students who are blind, and we know that, you know, if you're blind, driving is not going to be an option, but I think with self-driving vehicles, I think not only is it going to be probably not maybe a license is my guess, but more of an ability to know that you're where you're going and navigation. And I think that's got to be a new skill set that we've got to be very clear on because oftentimes kids with disabilities get, you know, what state and city do you live in instead of where do you want to go? And I think that's kind of been a message in this podcast is where do you want to go and how do we help them? Uh, get there. And I think that's what we'll see probably some kind of a, here's, here's the apps or the tools to say, I want to go to the store versus the mall versus um, the youth group. I think that's what we're, we're currently missing sometimes is that power of choice and that power of voice that goes with choice. So we thank you for joining us. That's, oh, go ahead, Camille. One, one, I just add one thing real quick. If um, just for any of your listeners, if you're interested in teaching your son or daughter, how to ride a two wheel bicycle, um, through the Down Syndrome Foundation of Florida, we partner with a company called I Can Shine each year. They have um, special bikes that they use to teach individuals how to ride a two-wheel bicycle that's, um, that just starts off. It's kind of like a rolling pin at the back, and you gradually um, if they, come, they replace it with a tire. It's a week-long camp. They do these camps throughout the country. Um, I think they do some in Canada also, but it would, it's a great opportunity. Um, I highly recommend them for families to um, help teach their children to learn. And I just also want to just encourage them that um, sometimes our kids need just a little pushing like Andrew. I mean, if I had to wait for him to say, Hey mom, I'm ready to get my driver's license. Um, we may have just, I'm not saying miss the window, but sometimes I think the longer you wait, the harder it is. And so sometimes I think our kids just need a little, um, a little push and maybe he got his driver's license and never used it, but I wanted to encourage him to go ahead and get it. Um, so just wanted to encourage parents to just, just keep that in mind um, when they're just living life. So. Well, thank you again for being passionate and, and advice and what a great thing. So again, it's, I can ride. Uh, I, I can shine. 
I can shine and it's for bicycle and for families. Well, thank you for sharing that resource as always. And I know you do so much in our community too. How many kids have you gotten to ride bikes in our community? Uh, this will be our 10th annual bike camp and we uh, teach 40, 40 kiddos a year. So. So got it. So, well, thank you for making that difference. And I know your, your organization does so much for so many. So, well, we thank you for joining us again on this podcast. And if you have questions, you can phone us, phone them in to put them on Facebook or send them to us on Twitter at Access Practical. Thank you. Bye, Camille. Thank you.